0: Oh, I'm hoping as you start the new year, you're like, wow, I'd love to kind of experience something like that. I'd love to increase the quantity and quality of my spiritual conversations. I'd love to create some God space. I believe that's what he actually did in this story. And if you're wondering, uh, in terms of the title of my book, God Space, what is God Space? Well, here's a short cliff note uh, version of what God Space is. And if if you read through... Uh, what God's space is, see if it doesn't seem to coincide with the story that we just uh, heard. Did he not create a safe space for Fiona, uh, where cynics and skeptics and spiritually curious people raise their questions, express their doubts, and vent their frustrations? I think the last one, to me, uh, is, is so very important. It's where Christianity becomes credible, relevant, plausible, and believable. Wow, do we need more of that on the university campuses today? So many people have dismissed us as Christians uh, at the table and having conversation because a lot of times what they get for us from us sometimes is half-baked responses and, and conversations that just don't make sense to them at all. And so a lot of times our credibility and, and the plausibility of the message kind of gets, you know, thrown out. How do we create God's space in the world that we live in? Well, we're going to key off of a passage here this morning. It's found in Romans 12.1. And I think it is the key passage when we think about what worship really is. Because we're told in Romans 12.1 we're supposed to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. If that's what real worship is, is when you and I offer our bodies. Now, I'm a very practical theologian. Uh, when I see the word, hey, offer our bodies, I start thinking, well, what does that look like? What does it look like for me to offer my heart, my eyes, my hands, my ears, my mind, and my mouth, parts of my body, so that God could actually uh, do something in me, uh, so that he might be able to do something through me. And if you're wondering uh, what the DPSV is, that's the Doug Pollock Standard Version. (laughs) Some of you have never read it. But I really don't think there's a a stretch here in terms of when you read Romans 12.1, what does it look like to offer our bodies to God? And we're going to get practical this morning. We're going to talk about that because Jesus wants to be both resonant in us, but he also wants to be president in us. He wants to, to call the shots. He wants to take our bodies, which are, the Bible describes, as temples of the Holy Spirit, and he, and he wants to do something through us. He wants to make his invisible kingdom visible in such a tangible way. That the magnetic pull of the kingdom starts to attract people like Fiona and her friends to cause them to say, hey, I want to hear more about this. And that's where we're going here this morning. We're going to get very intensely practical. We're going to start in the right place, I believe, because as I study my Bible, I get the idea that ultimately our hearts are the heart of the matter to God. What does it look like to offer hearts to God. I would think of three passages in the Scripture in the New Testament where we get a really great glimpse of the heart of God, the bullseye, if you would. If you're going to say, what is, what is the heart of God towards mankind? And I think in these three passages, we get this idea that Jesus you know, came to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come to judge the world, but he came to save it because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that God moved towards us to actually make himself known so there's an intentionality there. What would it look like for our hearts to be offered to God? this morning uh, I told you I promised we were going to take lots of tests and here's your first one I call it the Jesus test Now uh, what I'd like you to do this morning is pull out a pen or a pencil and if you got a piece of scratch paper there, I'd like you to, uh, in a moment, read through these 10 questions and pick a response between 1 and 10 that best describes where you feel like you are in your present spiritual journey as it relates to these questions. Now, what are significant? What's the significance of these questions? Well, I would have to say, and this is why I call it the Jesus test, that when you look at the Jesus of the Bible and you study his life, The thing that set him apart from the religious people of the day is the fact that while the religious people of the day were always turning their back and moving away from people who were sinful, they were very exclusive. Jesus, on the other hand, was very inclusive. He moved towards people who were like tax collectors, gluttons, prostitutes, sinners. And so the... Pharisees, noticing how Jesus was living his life, pinned a label on him, calling him friend of sinners. And my thought is, if we're gonna represent the heart of Jesus, then Jesus wants to transform us into a person who, just like himself, is a friend of sinners. And what would it look like in this day and age for us to be a friend of sinners? These 10 questions are, are, are poking at what would it practically look like in our day-to-day life to be a friend of sinners? Now, I'm hoping as you take this test, which will start in a minute, um, you can do two things at one time. You can multitask, because I'd like you, as you're taking the test, to listen to the lyrics of this song that's gonna be playing in the background, because I think the artist really gets what I'm talking about here this morning. So, um, hey, let's just uh, you know pretend this is one of those Uh, big uh, lecture halls at at Purdue, and and you're ready to take the test. Pens out, pencils up, uh, ready, set, here you go. Go for it. Okay, go ahead and add up your scores. Come up with a final score. Here's a thought that might uh, spin your head for a moment. If you scored high on this test, and I'm saying 85, 90 or higher, you might be frequently misunderstood by other church people. Think about that for a moment. I don't know if it's true here, but a lot of churches I go in and out of, there seems to be a definition for what a good Christian is all over the United States. A good Christian is usually defined as somebody who shows up at the right building at the right time and hangs around the right kinds of people. You all would be defined as good Christians this morning. You showed up at the right building at the right time and you're hanging around the right kinds of people. Here's the problem with that definition. Jesus was always hanging around the wrong kinds of people at the wrong kinds of times in the wrong kinds of places and that's what earned him the title Friend of Sinners. If we're gonna play more away games in the 21st century, we gotta get back to embrace the heart of Jesus for the world and to be moved with compassion, and to move towards people who are not yet followers of his, but people that God wants us to deliver his mail to because his plan is to invite them to experience a relationship with him. Maybe as you were taking this test, um, you might be willing to uh, sing this song.
1: Save me from me. Save me from me. Save me from me. Save me from me.
0: Are you willing this morning as we begin 2019 to get honest and say, hey, there's still a little Pharisee that lives in me? I find myself getting really off by people who do blank they swear at work the way they talk about women at work their habits their sexual orientations I mean we could go down the list of the nasty nine the filthy five and the dirty dozen but there, you know at the end of the day what pushes your buttons and just causes you just to go like unclean I just can't stand being around you have you ever stopped to think, and boy, you talk about a thought that would spin your head around, that maybe God wants to use our conversations with not yet Christians to save us. Not, 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 we're not talking about eternally here. If you're in Christ, your name is written in the book of life according to the scriptures, but I'm talking about save us from the spirit of the Pharisee that might still live within us. Because I find that sometimes I run into people who whose way of doing life just doesn't square with mine, and I find myself being repulsed, and I'm like, in the moment, Jesus, save me, because I know you love this person. You care deeply for this person. I think it would be only fitting right now, if we're having a real conversation, and you're really tracking with me, that maybe we just stop and pause. We begin this new year, and maybe this test stirred up some things in you, like... I got a church I was at just recently where a guy just come up and he said, oh my gosh, Doug, I'm just really realizing that my whole perspective has been so skewed And, and, and I just need God to do an extreme makeover in my heart because I don't think I am a friend of sinners. My score, I scored so pitifully low on this test. And maybe that's your reality here today. If our hearts are the heart of the matter to God, God wants to do something in our hearts. You see, because here's the big deal. Eventually, over time, whatever is in your heart, our, our lips are the mouthpiece of the heart, and over time, our lips tend to express what's in our hearts. So if we have attitudes in our hearts that are not Christ-like, they eventually come out in our conversations, and other people determine, hey, not safe, I'm not going to have a spiritual conversation with that person because I just feel like I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get judgment. I'm going to get condemnation. God is listening in on this conversation, and I think he wants to talk with us right now. So I want to provide some time just for you right where you are to sit and just talk with God about whatever's been stirred up inside as you as you took this test. Let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, I know this morning I wouldn't be on this stage if somebody hadn't looked past the stuff in my life that was so unclean. I thank you for a young man named Ed who moved towards me. And while I was a sinner and far from you, and he was willing to meet me where I was, would you just in power come upon all here and in this new year as we start, give us a, a clean heart for a fresh start. Remove those attitudes and things in our hearts that really block and keep us from increasing the quantity and the quality of our conversations because they're just not like you. We're not representing you well, Would you do that in our hearts so that we might love people the way you did and that we too might earn literally the title friend of sinners as you did. Would you make that happen here in 2019? I ask this in your name, amen. Let that be so. As our hearts are transformed by the Holy Spirit and God does stuff in us, that changes from the inside. Remember, he wants to do something in us before he can do something through us. I think what we're next, the next logical place that we go is we start to talk to God about the people around us. We begin to get a heart for other people, We become outwardly focused, so to speak. We pick up this attitude in Colossians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says, hey, pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open. In other words, as you're going about your day tomorrow on your route, hey, pray about the people that your life is crossing. In fact, I'd like you to do this just for a moment. As you think about the people on your route the people in your neighborhood, where you work out, the place where you work, the people that you cross paths with. As you start 2019, I got to believe that the Holy Spirit is putting at least one person on your heart. Who is that person? Turn to your neighbor, if you would, and share hey, in 2019, here's somebody I really want to see experience new life in Christ. They're on my route. There's somebody that God has put on my heart, there's somebody that God's put a burden on my heart. Would you just tell your neighbor that? And then when you get done sharing the name of that person, what I'd like you to do the rest of the morning is to think about the practical doable assignments and what you might actually take from this morning and how you might begin to roll that out on your route. But I'd also like you to to live out this passage. After you get done sharing their name, pray for one another and pray for that person that's on your heart here this morning, okay? Because here's the big idea I'm trying to get across. You know, we need to talk to God about men before we talk to men about God, amen? Why don't you share with your neighbor somebody that's on your heart this morning and then uh, pray for that person, okay? Go for it. Father, thank you this morning that you know each of these people by name, that you are the one who's put their face and their name on your followers' hearts, And we're just trusting uh, in this new year that you are going to woo and draw them to yourself, that you would choose to use um, the people from this church and other Christ followers to uh, help them take the next step towards you in the foot of the cross and that ultimately someday they, they would be here in this church or another church here in the community and worshiping you as a result, even of this prayer we're making right now that you take seriously Uh, this whole idea of drawing people to yourself. Thank you that you do that. Thank you that we're here this morning and we wouldn't even have an interest in this topic apart from you drawing us and using other people to deliver your mail to our hearts. We pray this so that your kingdom might be advanced and you might be glorified and worshiped. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember the football analogy A lot of you indicated that you had some people in your life that were a long, 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 long way away from God, very resistant to the claims of Christianity. A lot of times those people are not ready for the conversations we'd like to have with them, are they? They're not ready for the sermons. uh, They're not ready for Christian books. They're not ready for those kind of things. So what are they ready for? I think often uh, what we need to do in wisdom towards those outsiders is we need to show up. Uh, with good deeds. We need to demonstrate God's love to them in a practical way. So what we're going to talk about next is, what does it look like for us to offer our hands to God in service? We've already talked about offering our heart. Uh, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, the idea of praying and talking to God about men before, you know, we, we talk to men about God. A friend of mine, Eric Swanson said that good deeds create goodwill, which helps to open the heart to the good news. Another friend of mine, Steve Shogren, we wrote a book together called Irresistible Evangelism. He said, good deeds are not enough on their own to bring someone to Christ, but they do create a wireless network for transmitting the spoken word. What would happen uh, if we took seriously the idea of demonstrating God's love to people in practical ways through humble acts of service in Christ's name with no strings attached? I've had a chance to watch uh, people not only do this, I've had a chance to participate in this. And it's so fun to watch what happens when we show up out there in the day-to-day world and just demonstrate God's love to people in practical ways. And they're like asking us questions that we'd all love to answer. Like, so who are you guys? Like, why are you doing this? This is really cool. And, And eventually it leads to spiritual conversations. Um, here's a great example of what it would look like to demonstrate God's love in a practical way. (laughs) I've got two boys, and I just, you know, the thought of humbling yourself to stoop so that your brother could climb on your back so he could get up there to the urinal if he's really got to go now, that's pretty practical. (laughs) Really, it's kind of that simple. It's, hey, how can we show up in the world and do stuff for folks that actually like speaks the gospel without us even using words? Because people kind of, there, there's a sense in which kindness is this, is this uh, amazing thing that when we're doing it uh, and we're being kind to others, they kind of get it. It's, it's like a heart language. I've seen this all over the world. I've been to 42 different countries, and I find that a lot of times I'm finding myself in situations where I can't speak the language and I don't have a translator with me. You know what's really cool? Is kindness is a language that's kind of understood worldwide. And when we start demonstrating God's love in practical ways and doing kind things for folks, it softens their hearts and opens their hearts to the good news. Here's
1: an example of that. Soon after a handicapped woman moved into our condo complex, I noticed a bag of trash sitting outside her door. I picked it up and took it out to the dumpster. I began to do this on a regular basis. One day she caught me and wanted to pay me. I jokingly told her if she paid me, I'd stop. Well, that opened the door for conversation and we developed a relationship that eventually allowed me to share my faith. Just a bag of trash? Who knows what God will use?
0: This is something so simple and yet so profound. And one of the coolest things about this is your kids and your grandkids can participate. I have seen what happens when uh, innocent little kids are turned loose with a great idea in terms of demonstrating kindness to others and just watching burly, tough old people they encounter and all of a sudden you just see their heart open up and they're touched by it the innocence of a child. If you're looking for some resources, here's a a couple of great websites, uh, kindness2go.com and kindnessoutreach.com. You'd find a plethora of ideas there that you might be able to implement into your life uh, and make this uh, whole idea of offering your hands to God and demonstrating God's love in a practical way, uh, a reality for you in 2019. Well, when you think about the, the story of the Good Samaritan, I think you obviously saw someone in that story who demonstrated God's love uh, to that person beaten by the side of the road. But I would say there was something else in play there in that story, that he offered his eyes to God. In a sense, he saw his world with Jesus' glasses on. And maybe that's why Jesus lifted him up in the story, Because in in Matthew 9 36, we get the idea that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And I think the story of the Good Samaritan reminds us that there's a direct correlation between how we view the world and what we're moved to do about what we see. When we start seeing the world the way Jesus does, we're moved to do something about it in his name. So, my thought is what would it look like for the church to increase their awareness? I want to give you an awareness test here this morning. Here we go. Test number two. Ready? Let's go for it. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. How many got that right?
1: But did you see the moonwalking bear?
0: no trick here the moonwalking bear is going to walk in from this side about right now into the middle there he is and walk out here's the point isn't it really easy to miss something that we're not looking for I have a feeling that maybe some of you flunked this test. You didn't see the moonwalking bear, so I'm going to give you a second chance. How many of you see the white arrow here in this uh, well, well known? Oh boy, a lot of people seeing it right away. There's some, some other people going, where is the white arrow? It's really there. There is a white arrow there. And these people aren't, I didn't pay these people to raise their hands. It's actually between the E and the X. It's real easy uh, to go through life and be inwardly focused and miss things that are going on around us, and so we miss opportunities that God might have for us to engage other people. In my book, I call this the Ministry of Noticing. Listen to a friend of mine as he talks about what the Ministry of Noticing is.
1: Most of us like it when people notice us. We, We like it especially when they specifically notice us when they say something about us that means something to me. This is rooted in a in a belief uh, born out of Matthew 10:42, where Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to a little child in my name because you're my disciple, you will not lose your reward. And as I reflected on that passage, I started thinking, it seems to count to God if we give something away as small and ordinary as a cup of water to someone powerless and uh, non interested in us as a child, who probably doesn't even know what's happening to them. But God notices, so it turns out God's counting things we don't count. And we believe that in other parts of our life, but we don't believe it about evangelism. What I would like to suggest is that if we can start saying it counts if you just notice people uh, as evangelism, then you'll start suddenly seeing people on your peripheral vision that you didn't. You'll see the barista, you'll see the person you work with. And so we actually do exercises with people where we'll say, um, okay, so here's the here's our big idea. We want you to go out now for 30 minutes and notice people, and and come back and tell us what you saw that you didn't see before. And believe me, people take prolific notes. They're very touched because here's the deal. Once you start noticing people, the next step is you start caring about them. Mm.
0: This is not some uh, profound new missionary technique. Actually, the Apostle Paul practiced this in Acts 17. We pick up on this idea. He said, "These he spoke these words. Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked very carefully, if you hung out with me, you'd find that most of my conversations start with something I notice. Hey, man, tell me about your tat. You ever know that a tattoo, almost behind every tattoo, there's a story. And instead of us being put off by like, why did you do that to your body? And why would you put... That's a conversation killer. That belongs in chapter two. (laughs) But if you want to hear some stories, and a lot of times there's some some deep significance behind some of the the images that people choose to put on their bodies. If you want to hear some stories, uh, boy, ask about their tattoo, because the secret of being interesting is to be interested. It's to notice other people. What would it look like this week if we showed up in our worlds with Jesus glasses on? Well, here could be an example.
1: What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll have a all decaf macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. The And, uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously. And thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What what is What is that? What in the world? Oh What What am I supposed to do? How can I how can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't Your copy, sir. I can't I can't take this anymore. I gotta get out of here. Hey, what? Everybody. come here.
0: Here's a faith adventure challenge for you. What if this this just week starting tomorrow you got up and made this little 10 second prayer Lord Jesus, Increase my awareness of others by helping me to notice the people on my route the way you do. And just for the next seven days, get up every morning and pray that prayer, and and then begin to notice and look and watch what God does as He begins to maybe cause you to see things that maybe you haven't seen before. He, He starts to increase your awareness, you become a little more outwardly focused. I really do believe that uh, as we increase our awareness, um, God begins to connect us with people on our route as our life intersects. Because we notice things, and when we notice people, we're sending them a message. God notices you, and I care because God cares, and it creates some God space.